0: Money, 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 money. Quickly to Wall. Wall yeah. measures. Neal gets open for three. Dagger! Yeah. What a time. Yeah. <laughs> Here comes Pierce with five seconds
2: left. Pierce with three. Pierce with two. Pierce, throw away at the horn. It's good. It's good.
0: The yeah.
1: Welcome to Locked On Wizard Show here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net station. Uh, I'm your host Noah Getzel. I also host. Uh, Locked On Wizards podcast, which you can find every day, five days a week. This is the Locked On Wizards episode, whatever you want to call it, here on um, Dash Radio's Nothing But Net station. And we are here every Monday, Tuesday, and Friday at 9 p.m. Not to mention the podcast is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which gives you the biggest stories from local experts each and every day. Today we are talking about the Wizards Evening up the series, 106-98 against the Toronto Raptors, heading back into uh, Canada, Game 5, coming on Wednesday. So it was a huge game for the Wizards, as they were able to rally from a slow start. They were down 11 points at halftime, scored 40 in the third quarter, finished with 66 points in the second half. And then Bradley Beal fouled out, and it was interesting, the, the officiating here tonight. Uh, DeRozan had 18 Free throw attempts, Marching Gortat said he's never seen so many soft calls in a playoff game. And finally, we're going to just talk about the resolve of the Wizards to rally back, even without their All-Star, and make the defensive stops necessary to win this game. So, to break down all this stuff, we welcome in our guest for the night, Brendan Smith, who is the founder of DMV Sports Network. He's actually a Wizards Extra alum uh, back in the day. You can definitely check out Wizards Extra on Twitter to see all the tweets in the game and post-game uh, videos from players and coaches recapping the game. So, Brendan, what is your reaction to this game? Did you feel like the Wizards had it in hand in the second half, or was it a bit too shaky? Because after they tied the score in the third quarter, it was 80 apiece heading into a fourth, Early on, the Raptors made an 8 nothing run, and then, of course, there was that sixth foul call on uh, Bradley Beal with five minutes to play. What do you think changed in the final five minutes that allowed the Wizards not to lose any steam and, you know, still okay. mount this comeback to come away victorious? Well,
2: to answer the first part, I mean, as soon as they came out and started the fourth quarter with that 6-0 and run or whatever the heck it was, and I was in our group chat for dmvsn i was telling the guys like man kyle lowry's about to come out and poop on us this quarter and sure enough he comes out and hits the three or whatever gets the layup and you know we're looking at i think it was 86 and i'm like god oh, man well that, that's it i didn't think that they were going to come back from that and then you know they kept it in it and then bradley Beal got fouled out and i was like okay well, they're definitely not gonna win it i mean who are they gonna give the ball to especially when you run such a stagnant offense um And to answer the second part, I mean, again, just Kelly Oubre's energy and just his effort Mm -hmm. has been tremendous for these past two home games, and if he could just keep that up for the rest of the series, I really like the Wizards' chances of going into Game 5 and winning that game, but then you also just have John Wall, who is undoubtedly undoubtedly the best player in this series, in my opinion, and, you know, sometimes in playoff games, all you need is just the extra talent down the stretch, and... We saw what Wall could do in
1: this game tonight. Yeah, in that fourth quarter, after the, the Raptors went up by eight points um, in the first couple of minutes, uh, the Wizards actually rallied 24-8 to eight in the final seven forty four. So that's, that's saying something for sure. Um, another huge performance from John Wall. He had uh, 27 points, 14 assists, six rebounds, and three steals. Beal, who fouled out um, in 31 minutes, he had 31 points and uh, 5 rebounds, 2 assists. Um, A couple other guys had some solid contributions, 12 points each from Gortat and Otto Porter, and then Kelly Oubre played awesome defense off the bench, 10 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, and 2 steals. So what do you think changed between Game 2 when uh, DeRozan had 37 points versus this game where he had 35 points, most of those coming from the free throw line, well, 14 of 18 from the free throw line, do you think the difference um, in terms of, like that blowout game where the Wizards lost by eleven versus you know this eight-point victory tonight is mainly just Bradley Beal's presence because he scored I think just nine points or yeah nine points in, in that game two loss. Um, well, I think first and
2: foremost the difference that we've seen between um, game two and games three and four with the Rose specifically is just like his I guess his desire to shoot the three. Um, as his first option, because, you know, if you watch game two, I mean, he was just pulling without hesitation. Like, he was looking like Klay Thompson out there mm-hmm. in that game. And I, and I even though he hit some tough threes, and um, he did hit one and one three tonight, I think. And uh, there probably should have been two more, I think he made like that. And there probably should have been fouls, but they weren't called. But, um, I mean, just the biggest difference, I mean, everyone was hitting in game two. Everyone. And I think when you switch and you come and, you know, you switch. The, um, the place of play, and obviously the home team's role players are going to play a lot better, I think, and that's what we've seen, obviously, with guys like Oubre, um, so I think that's the biggest part of it, but DeRozan's is still good, I mean, it's, it still seemed like to me that he had it seems to me like every game he has 50 points. And I tweeted that out earlier in the game, but it's like every point that he scores is just so inconvenient. And it's either just a contested jumper or something. It's just, it's really untimely. And DeRozan is that type of player. He's an extremely skilled player. And I also think, and, You just pointed that out as yet, you know, Scott Brooks is deciding to run more plays specifically for Bradley Beal, and I thought it was a disgrace that, you know, at the beginning of game one and two, he'll run like a set or two for Otto or Brad, and then the rest of the game, like, he just expects Wall to just make everything up out of nowhere, and you can't do that. So I I was impressed, especially in this game. He tried getting Otto going early in the third quarter, and um, obviously if you get looks for Beal, he's going to take care of that as the
1: game goes on, and Beal, again, just did that tonight. So tell me, what do you think changed in the third quarter? Was it just, like, the the defensive tone that John Wall set for the game? Because, you know, the Wizards scored 40 points in that quarter after scoring just 40 in the entire first half. Um, Beal went off for 12 points. He hit three three-pointers. Porter scored 10 points. He also had a pair of three-pointers. Was it mainly just, you know, pushing in transition that that got the Wizards so many easy buckets? What do you think was was, you know, like, the... The biggest difference in the first half versus third quarter for you, Brendan? Yeah, I think the Wizards did a good job of picking up the pace in
2: the second half. I think in the first half when they got a lot of those foul calls and Rosen sitting there and he's going to the line, it seems like every other possession and the Raptors are playing the game at the pace that they want to play. And I think in the second half they um, they lightened up a little bit, especially on those calls for DeRozan, and that allowed Wall and Co to get out and transition and run the break. and. They executed very
1: well in terms of that in the second half. Mhm. The Wizards were out rebounded. I forgot the exact numbers in the first half, but in the second in the third quarter, the entire Raptors team had two rebounds versus 10 for the Wizards. Uh Wizards also got four blocks in that quarter including uh, a couple from Mike Scott. So, you know, those defensive takeaways obviously add up. Um, so What do you think was going on with the free throws? Like, it seemed like the Wizards were basically doing everything they could do to try and, like, keep it a close game and not close out. Uh, They ended up—neither team shot well from the line, but the Wizards were 21 of 31, and then the Raptors were 23 of 30. So, obviously, some poor free throw percentages there. At least the Raptors hit 76%, but—or 77%. What—do you feel like it was, like, a— issue of being too tired or just lacking poise, there were just way too many missed free throws. I think the fact that we've seen this too much and too often, I think it's more of poison than anything.
2: And, yeah. yeah, you can point to a lot of guys that are tired, but Wall was, like, before this game, shooting what? Like, something around 90% from the free-throw line in this series, so I mm-hmm. wouldn't blame it too much
0: on energy. I think it's just poison and staying focused. But, obviously, you know,
2: um, Otto missed a big one there at the end, and Kelly Ugray was able to finish him off. And I think Wall maybe hit some free throws down the line there, but I'm glad they could finish it out, but they certainly missed some key ones throughout the game that could have
1: made it, um, or could have made the margin a bit thinner um, throughout the course of the game. Otto Porter said after the game that, you know, now all the pressure is on Toronto because they're the number one seed, and their series is tied, you know, they're expected to win. The Wizards had no expectations going into a series, I guess, even though I don't consider them a typical... T- 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 <laughs> so wh- what do you think the expectation was to get to the Eastern Conference Finals? i don't think that there was
2: i don't like for me when we came into the postseason i didn't have any sort of expectation for like the wizards in terms of like getting to a certain point but the thing i knew is that they were capable of beating this team so Mm -hmm. i would still be disappointed if they lost but i had no expectation like oh if we don't get here then you know it's gonna be bad i look at it as The game-to-game basis, and as an overall, just if you look at the opponent, and I still think that the Wizards are more talented than the Toronto Raptors. Just like last year, I thought that the Wizards were more talented than the Boston Celtics, Mm though I did pick the Celtics to win that series, and I did pick the Raptors to win this one. But that's just more due to the fact that the Wizards don't really show out sometimes late in games and I thought that would be one thing that would stick out in this series and we all know the defensive troubles and the chemistry issues that have maybe not gone on so well and and we've seen some of those problems still in some of these games but even though the last two games they were able to pull it out so um, there's still an expectation that I want them to beat the Raptors and go on to the next round but like I I didn't want to get my hopes up and pin a certain place on where I wanted them
1: to go in order for me to be happy I mean let's face it it wasn't the best regular season in the world right yeah, no doubt about it. Um, who like coming into the rest of the series? Do you feel? I guess you were you weren't at this game. You were at Game Four, but do you feel like there was a different sort of energy in the arena? Uh, to me, it seemed like it was a lot louder. Um, fans were involved throughout the game. It seemed like there was a better better presence in terms of just the number of seats full at tip off. Uh, of course, like the Raptors have an incredible fan base. Do you feel like you know in the playoffs? home court makes a big difference or coming like the wizards were pretty inconsistent at home this year they had a lot of bad losses but they've now won eight straight at on their home court in the playoffs what kind of advantage do you feel like that presents or is it something that's you know not quite as important as people make it out to be i think it is important and for the fact you just said
2: we've won eight straight at home and the fans do a lot and it's a lot less pressure. You know, you make mistakes and fans will still encourage you. And if the refs make a bad call, they're completely on your side. So mm-hmm. um, it is certainly important to know that however many thousand people have your back when you're out there. And I know that maybe, You know, DMV sports maybe sometimes doesn't have the strongest of fan bases, especially in terms of sharing, but the energy in these last two games has
0: been incredible, and hopefully we can just get it done in Game 5, come back in Game 6, have the same energy, and that'll be the end of that. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: No doubt. We are going to talk about the officiating and, you know, whether you saw any discrepancies, whether there were any calls, maybe touch calls that you disagreed with, um, especially after the near fights that broke out after last game. So... We're about to focus on that topic in just a quick second. Uh, we are here with Brendan Smith, who you can follow on Twitter at T-H-R-E-E-Z-U-S-T-R-I-S-T. That's Threesis Trist. Is that right? Nice <laughs> job. And you should also follow his newly founded blog, DMV Sports Network. You can go there at dmvsportsnetwork.com or follow them on Twitter at DMV underscore S-N. So, 11, sorry, 12 free throw attempts for DeMar DeRozan in the first quarter. The Raptors came out with a 30-22 to 22 advantage there. DeRozan ended up with 18 free throw attempts. Both teams shot about 30 free throws, ended up being, you know, like 60 total for the game. Do you feel like the refs had to keep things in check given what happened in Game 3 with, I forgot exactly how many technicals there were, but there was a lot more chippiness uh, than there was tonight. Do you feel like it was on the refs to to kind of call the game a little bit differently, or was it just another physical battle where they called foul when there was a foul and blew the whistle in those instances? I do understand why they wanted to keep it tight in, in terms
2: of calls. Like I was saying, even and I think it was the first quarter when Balanchunas hit um, whoever it was for that flagrant one foul. I don't remember who that was exactly, but I it was Wall, I
1: think, right? Yeah, yeah, Wall. yeah. Um, right after Wall dunked on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I personally did not think that that was worth the flagrant one
2: call. I did. But I understand wanting to keep it, like, call it like that, so you can kind of keep the players in check throughout the course of the game. And obviously, DeRozan got lightly touched a lot. Yeah. And like you said, he went to the free throw line at an extreme amount. And my thing is with the with some of these calls is, like, if people say, oh, well, John Wall doesn't get fouls, he just kind of throws himself at the rim. I would agree with you to some extent. I would agree that that is true. But my problem with it is if you're going to give a guy one call in the end, then I expect it for my players on the other end. It's it's not something
0: that's fair. So, And it's the same thing I had the problem with Isaiah Thomas last year in the Celtics series.
2: Is mm. He got all these touch calls with that. Wall is aggressively attacking the basket the whole game, and they give him nothing. So I do agree that, you know, sometimes when Wall drives and he just expects there to be a call, that it's not really a good shot attempt and he doesn't do the best job of drawing contact, sure, but if you're going to give one player calls on one end, then it needs
1: to go both ways, and that's something that did not happen really until the second half. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there was a couple plays where it seemed like DeRozan did absolutely nothing worthy of a foul call, but he still got it, and maybe I'm being biased here, but there was one where he kind of like made a few pivots, and then he went. He was looking to pass the ball. Jumped up, looking to pass. Couldn't find anyone. Just threw it up, and there was like no defender near him. I can't remember if it was Ubre or Beal. I think it was Beal. But they they called a whistle there. And then everybody was going absolutely nuts on that last call for for um, for Beal that got him you know fouled out with four minutes and 58 seconds to go because again he was just straight up. Um, so it didn't look like there was contact. But I feel like the refs in the NBA, they rightfully protect shooters, and anytime you get tapped, even in the slightest, if you're a shooter, it makes sense that they, they, you know, give them those calls, but Wall and Beal are, are, I'm sorry, Wall and DeRozan are, are more attackers, and don't really get fouled on their jump shots quite as often, so I think it makes some sense for the refs to swallow the whistle, because you can't you know, you can't call a foul every time this person drives into a paint, even if there is some contact. Gortat made a pretty strong statement after the game. He said he's never seen so many soft calls before in a playoff game. Do you think that you know, DeRozan was deserving of 18 free throws or was it a little bit too much coddling by the refs in terms of, you know, giving him the benefit of the doubt on plays where it seems like the Wizards just had their hands straight up? Uh, Well, I don't think that like a lot of times in like, the whole
2: hand straight up thing I think a lot of times fans get misconstrued so like if you have your hands up but then you slightly put them down and it affects the player's shot even though the hands are still up it is still a foul and I think a lot of people have a hard time understanding that but I do think that there were a lot of fouls that didn't need to be called there was one where he kind of like um, he faded away against Mike Scott and he ran into Mike Scott and Mike Scott just stood his ground and they still called it and I, right. was, and I was like what and Going back to like the Wizards with the Falcons, there was one play where Ty Lawson jumped and he got someone in the air. And this was like right under the basket. I don't know if you remember that one or not. And like he jumped into him a little bit and I wouldn't have called that necessarily like a foul either, but again, the thing is, is it, it, it has to be both ways. And like DeRozan, gets lightly touched, and it's a foul. So why can't Ty Lawson get the foul call if he does a good job of pump faking? The defender jumps, and he goes into him to get contact. I, I didn't
1: see how that couldn't be called. And then Marquise Morris on an alley oop at the end—that sure. was a foul and they didn't call it. I mean, there was a lot of stuff down the other day. They
0: didn't call the DeRozan had an offensive foul on wall. They didn't call that. It was very frustrating. Mm-hmm. If you go back and look at my tweets, I was very limited.
1: <laughs> definitely go back and follow uh, Threesis Trice, see all of his you know, emotional tweets throughout the game. And Thank
0: you.
1: Yeah, I, I think it was a lot. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me for how many free throws the team shot in the other two games, but definitely a little bit tighter. And, you know, the refs are, are doing the best they can, but, of course, there's always going to be inconsistency even, you know, I noticed late in the game there was at least one play where DeRozan clearly got fouled driving into the rim and the refs might have just figured, okay, we've given this guy X number, like how many teens of free throws, like we, we've got to let this one slide for once. But yeah, definitely a gutsy, gutsy victory for the Wizards. And we're going to talk about the defensive effort that the Wizards are showing because, you know... They held the Raptors under 100 points this game. They had uh, allowed the Raptors to, I think it was like 122 or something points per contest in the first two matches. It was, They scored like 114 and then 130. So we'll be talking about what's changed defensively in just a second here on Locked on Wizards on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net station. So, Brendan, the defense has really stepped up for the Wizards. In the first three games, the Raptors hit 16 16- Three pointers, 13 three pointers, and then twelve in Game Three uh, as the Wizards won that one. They hit just seven tonight, even though they shot decently, seven of eighteen, which is thirty-nine uh, percent. The Wizards seem to, you know, chase shooters off the line a little bit more. What do you think? Is it kind of just knowing like we can't get beat from beyond the three-point line? What do you think has changed in terms of the defensive adjustments that the Wizards have made? And it seems like a lot of the the small ball centers aren't quite as active for for the Raptors uh in terms of Serge Ibaka having more quiet games he had just seven points tonight um Valanciunas and Jakob Podol didn't have too much of an impact offensively either what do you think has has kind of turned the tables a little bit for the Wizards defensive end
0: the NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, I don't know how many Wizards
2: fans are going to be happy to hear this one, but I actually think that um, the big reason for the Raptors' drop off in shooting is because, well, number one, they're just missing shots. And number two, some of their guys are shying away from shots. And the, the Wizards have made some adjustments, yes. Like, for example, in game one, they thought that they could just trap the Rose and the Lowry and everything would be okay. Well, in game two, everyone touched the ball and they made a million three
0: pointers. So, um, in game three, I mean, they still came out hot. But the, the biggest thing, especially tonight, like, guys are just missing like in cj miles in game three like he still hit
2: some good shots but like he missed those ones that he was hitting at home and he missed some good ones tonight yeah um so i think that the wizards again have made good adjustments and I, and I think they're realizing that they need to close out on shooters where yeah that's fine but i mean delon wright was passing up a lot of open looks tonight that he probably wouldn't have shied away from at home and um just stuff like that but again when the wizards dictate the pace and they get out in transition and they make it known that you're going to pay if you miss shots, then it makes guys hesitate a little bit. So it also um, is a little bit because of the way the Wizards dictate the game offensively too. Hmm. So it it all connects to me. Uh, Again, I think it's just about more of guys just shying away from shots and just missing some of those open jumpers that they made at home as opposed to the Wizards making some big
1: defensive adjustment. So you feel like some of the shooters might be shying away from threes perhaps versus you know trying to take it inside where you might potentially be fouled and give your defense a chance to set up just because if you miss a three it might be a long rebound where John Wall can chase it down and just start a fast break from the get-go do you do you feel like that would impact a shooter's mind if you know the opposing team is just running out in transition and getting easy buckets every play?
2: hesitant to shoot a three knowing that John Wells is going to go down the court and find Beal, Kelly Ubray, Porter for an open three. I would be hesitant because a lot of the shots that the Raptors take, too, they are contested three-pointers. Like, they are mm-hmm. contested. So it's not necessarily like a high-percentage shot, per
1: se, but they still can. But again, when you're on the road and the Wizards are having their way now, they're setting the pace. It's a bit different. You have to think about those shots a little bit more. The only guys to score above 11 points for uh, the Raptors tonight were uh, DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. Do you feel like the the bench, I think they had like 20, 22 bench points. Do you feel like some of the role players have dropped off, at least on the offensive end for the Raptors? And, you know, of course, the Wizards can do everything they can to shut down the stars. But well, like, what's, what's kind of been the difference? Do you think it's just a home crowd that motivates some of your... Uh, role-player type guys to have bigger performances and maybe you know not have that same spark when they're on the road or do you feel like it's something schematically that's changing for you know the lesser-known Raptors not not having the same type of impact yeah I think and like I said earlier the role players play better at home but I said this before the series
2: started I said it after game one and I said it after game two the Raptors bench does not impress me a whole lot like it it scares everyone and Sports media and NBA media, I'm sorry. It does not concern me. If you're telling me that I'm supposed to be scared of Yaka Pirtle, Pascal Siakam, and Lorenzo Brown, I'm not going to be scared of that. I'm sorry. No matter how you look at it, I am not terrified of that. Do those guys contribute? Yes. Are they talented players? Yeah, they are. But it's not anything that's going to make me jump out of my seat and go, oh, my God, I need to be concerned about that. We saw that tonight. Like you said, the bench points in. I think the Wizards also outscored the Raptors bench in another game, so, again, it's just not too concerning
1: to me, and sure, they definitely played a huge role, a huge role in games one and two, but again, when you're at home, your old players are going to play better, and we've seen that with Washington, so,
2: it goes both ways, but again,
1: and I'll say it again, I am not scared of them. Yeah, and in in the past uh, two Wizards victories, Wall and Beal combined for 56 points in game three, and then 58 points here in game four. Do you feel like the wizards are over relying on them because you know there aren't a ton of other guys who are contributing um, or do you think that's kind of the way it, that it's got to be that you know they're the all stars they've got to you know have their impact offensively do you think do you think it's it's sustainable them each to be scoring about 30 points a game. And better. I mean, we got, what, <laughs> however many million dollars betting on three of these guys, so, I mean, that's what
0: we're paying them the big bucks for. I mean, Wall's going to be making, what, over 40 million soon? So, yeah. I mean, that's what you pay him for. And again, I don't understand,
2: like, and I understand the need to have, like, a serviceable backup, but for guys to say that the Wizards need to go out there and get some of these, like, marquee backups, like, like everyone wanted Patty Bills and stuff, and I get that he can play with Wall too, but you don't need to go and spend a whole bunch of money that you really don't have in all these backups that are only going to be playing however many minutes in the postseason. This is what it comes down to and you still have guys like Sadoransky who I feel like Scott Brooks is still really underused in this series and it's been quite disappointing because he had such a good regular season and he deserved some more minutes um, in the postseason that he's gotten especially from a defensive aspect and he just hasn't gotten it but Again, I mean, we're paying these guys these big bucks, Um, and we saw with Wall tonight he played,
1: I think, what, 43 minutes, and he still came out and did what he did to close out the game, and that's what you need him to do, and obviously Brad hit some big shots throughout the game. What did you think of the three-point guard lineup that was deployed? I can't quite remember if it was in the second quarter or some other point, but there was Wall um, running point and then Lawson at shooting guard and Tomas Sadoransky at the three spot. I don't know what the over-under was during that span, but do you, like, obviously the Wizards have five point guards on their lineup, what would make the most sense if you were to kind of have multiple point guards in at the same time, who works best together, do you like seeing Sadoransky and Wall on the floor together, do you like seeing Wall with Lawson, what do you think is working in terms of, you know, those bench contributions? I think that, I mean, I like Wall with anyone on the court. Like, yes. Let's
2: just be real about that, first and foremost. But I do, and I like the three-guard lineup, sure. I think that it gives you a lot of versatility and a lot of IQ. But I specifically like Wall and Lawson because I think that we've seen already in the series that Lawson's going to hit three-pointers, and that's something that you need if you put alongside Wall. So, for example, if you want to go out there and put Tim Frazier out there beside John Wall, that's maybe not going to work out too well. But if you put Satterance, you can hit the three, or Lawson, you can obviously hit the three. And then
1: Lawson also does a good job of getting into the paint and finding teammates. I Absolutely. think that's kind of a, a dynamic, too there on the offensive end for the Wizards it may not work out too well especially on the defensive end but I think in terms of offense and getting out in transition and getting easy buckets I think that's a perfect duo stepping back and looking big picture like what do you think was most impressive about this victory you know being down 11 points playing without their their all-star for the final minutes uh five minutes what impressed you most in the Wizards ability to tie tie the series up tonight
2: so many easy opponents so many inconvenient times and the fact that they were able to do it on one of the biggest stages in basketball in front of your home crowd, knowing it is a must win game because you don't want to go back to the down, down three to one. I mean, mm-hmm. the series is just over at that point. It just is, I mean, the Wizards aren't going to win three straight games against the Raptors. That's not happening. But to show your real character and to go against adversity down the stretch knowing you're without one of your other star players, I think it speaks a lot to Kelly Oubre's character Mm -hmm. and especially a lot to John Wall's character who has gotten a fair amount of criticism over the course
1: of this season. And to see him having such a great postseason so far is just really encouraging. Absolutely. Well, I think we should end it right there. Um, It's good to see that the Wizards, you know, they, they played determined, they played aggressive, they didn't let anything faze them, whether it was a deficit or the calls going against them or losing, you know, their top player who scored 30 points in the game. So, Brendan, I really appreciate it. Do you have anything else that you want to plug before we sign off? Uh, no, I really just I hope that they can go out there and have the same mentality in
2: Game 5 and just hope that the Raptors don't come out um, blazing from 3-point, but right. I guess we'll see. But I'm hoping for Game 5. If we get Game 5, I think we come home and take care
1: of it in Game 6. I would agree, yeah. So, big victory. Um, big pair of victories here over the weekend at Capital One Arena. Uh, especially a great showing tonight. Uh, you know, it seemed very loud the way it should be. Uh, a lot of Wizards games feel like road games with about, you know, a third or half the fans coming from representing the other team. Luckily, Canada's pretty far away, so it would be some dedicated fans to, you know, travel in, in big numbers that far. Brendan, I appreciate it. That's all the time we have here on Locked on Wizards on tonight's edition of, uh, well, it'll actually be Monday night's edition of... Uh, uh, Dash Radio's Nothing But Net Station Thanks so much For your time And go Wizards Let's see what happens On Wednesday Yes sir Appreciate you for having me This is how we do it